This is episode 47 of the 99 Forever podcast. I'm Eric Friesen, and joining me tonight to recap game three and four of the Edmonton Oilers' first round series against the Los Angeles Kings is one of my best friends and the biggest Oilers fan in Australia, Chester Taylor. Chester, how's it going tonight? Uh, I'm good, Eric. Thanks for having me again. I think this is my second one, right? Second or third? It's actually your fourth, I believe. A fourth already? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> the last um, podcast we did was like a pretty long time ago. So Yeah, yeah a little over a year ago. So it's, uh, it's good to have you back on the show. Uh, have you been watching a lot of the playoffs so far? Yeah, I, I mean, I was able to watch uh, Game 3 because I was off from work. And then Game 4, I was just like listening on my phone because I was at work at the time. So, yeah, but, you know. It was okay because um, we really played bad in game four. <laughs> but uh, it was nice to have that day off on game three. I really enjoyed that game, you know. So, and uh, we got the victory that, that day. Yeah, exactly. Um, and other than the Oilers and Kings, which uh, playoff series have, have you been uh, following the most? Um, to be honest, I think just the Oilers, yeah. The Oilers and Kings, that's all I've been watching. It's probably following the Oilers, yeah. I mean, I've been looking at some games, like other highlights and stuff, like, you know, but from there and then, but mostly just the Oilers, just focus on the Oilers. Yeah, I mean, when, when they're in the playoffs, it's pretty hard for them not to be uh, at the top of the list. Uh, I am sort of also keeping an eye on the Calgary-Dallas series, just because if the Oilers do advance to the second round, which I believe they will, they're going to play one of those teams. And uh, I know a lot of people are hoping for a battle of Alberta in the playoffs, but I'd be just as happy if Dallas knocks out Calgary. Actually, more happy yeah, if they did. I mean, yeah, I, I, I like uh, it'd be nice to play Calgary. You know, it'll be, it'll be, I mean, it'll be crazy in Alberta for sure. But yeah, I mean, I wish I could, you know, because like I live in Australia, right? The games here are in the morning. So. I'm working on those times that the initial games are being played here. So, right. But, yeah, I mean, as long as, you know, um, if I'm off, I just try to catch the games. But, yeah, as I said a while ago, I'm just focused on the Oilers. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, but before we get into talking about some specific games tonight, uh, just how much have you enjoyed watching the playoffs with fans at Rogers Place after a couple of years without them during the pandemic? Oh, I feel so good. I mean, uh, you know, because um, last time we had fans was, I think it was the Anaheim Ducks one was the last 2017. one, 2017. Right? Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. Um, and then, you know, it just reminds me during those times when I was, I was in the Philippines, actually, during that playoff run we had against the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, we beat the Sharks, right? And then we... Sharks in the first round, and then they yeah. lost in uh, then, seven games to the Ducks in the second that's round. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I was in the Philippines. I remember I was in the Philippines that time for holidays. And I really enjoyed that one. And um, now it's just, you know, fans are back. You know, the, the arena is rocking and fans everywhere outside the, the arena. It's great. It's great. I mean, playoff hockey's back as well. So yeah, it's good that, you know, I mean, um, we were able to, I mean... We were able to get one. Well, unfortunately, we lost game one, but we bounced back game two and three. That was great. I mean, you know, it's just good to see Oilers winning some hockey, um, playoff hockey games. 
Definitely. And, you know, there are few fan bases around the NHL that support their team as well as the people of Edmonton support the Oilers. I mean, it's all Oilers all the time. And I was just in Edmonton to watch game one against the Kings. And even though the Oilers lost that night, that was one of the best experiences I've ever had at a hockey game. Ford Hall was packed an hour before puck drop and fans were chanting, let's go Oilers. There were okay, orange okay. jerseys everywhere. I mean, like you said, the building was rocking after every Oilers goal. It, it was easily the loudest I've ever heard Rogers place. And really? It was just really, yeah, oh. really crazy when you were there. Yeah, I mean, just... I, I didn't get to go to a playoff game in 2006, but yeah. I think that this is like as close as it has been to that playoff run. You could just feel the energy from the start. The fans were so amped up for it. And, you know, there, there's just a real buzz in Edmonton around this team. And there should be. I mean, this is a very good hockey team. And I think everyone's just excited to see how far they can go in the playoffs this year. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean... The, you know, the people in Alberta are very passionate about their hockey. So, by the way, what jersey were you wearing in the, when you watched game one? Uh, I wore uh, my Curtis Joseph jersey. And, you know, I, I felt like it was a good time to bring that one out because it was 25 years ago that uh, he led the Oilers to uh, upset over the Dallas Stars in the 1997 playoffs. So I had, okay. uh, had to bring that one out. <laughs> Oh, I, 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 I was not expecting that, actually. I thought you were wearing your Nikita Nikitin jersey. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're still the president of the Nikita Nikitin fan club, so... Uh, oh, man, that player. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, nice. You were with someone when you watched it uh, in the arena? Or? No, I actually went alone. It was the first time I've ever okay. gone to an NHL game alone. And, I mean, it, it's hard to get someone to pay the yeah, the yeah. price that I you know to find another Oilers fan for who's sure, willing yeah. to spend over three hundred dollars for a right? ticket to a game yeah, yeah it was yeah. expensive <laughs> I think other than the Heritage Classic in Winnipeg in twenty sixteen this was the the second most expensive ticket I've ever bought yeah well at least you got to experience it you know I wish oh I, absolutely you know, I mean I was it was in Edmonton that time but lots yeah. of great memories from that game uh, despite the outcome but. Um, Anyway, we have two playoff games to break down tonight, so we'll start with Game 3 this past Friday. Evander Kane scored his first career playoff hat-trick to power the Oilers to a dominant 8-2 road win and a 2-1 series lead. Kane was named the first star of the game and is now tied for the team lead in goals and points in the playoffs. Chester, how impressed have you been with Kane, not only in this series, but since he joined the team in January? Um, I mean, he's been awesome since he joined the team. I mean, he's like the player that that really Connor needs with him is um, in Connor's line. I mean, that physical player, that skilled player, and uh, man, he, he's you know he's been really great for us. I mean, his attitude. I mean, he. I mean, there are a lot of you know stuff happening with him the past years, but. He's, he, he's shown that, you know, it's, uh, he's just focused on playing hockey and wants to win games. And, um, well, we all know that he's a very, very good player. But, um, I mean, it's, it's just good to see that, you know, he's just focused on playing, enjoying the game right now. And he doesn't seem distracted, not like he was in San Jose, with all this um, off-the-ice stuff happening. So it's good. It's good to see him. But, you know, I just wish that he continues to play well, the rest of the the playoffs and you know 
I don't know. What do, what do you think next season? Can we afford to sign him? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was going to actually ask you that. And, and, and really, since he arrived in Edmonton, Kane has been everything the Oilers could have hoped for and more. How old um, is he? 30, 31, 33? Uh, he's, he's 30, turns 31 this summer. And oh, Okay. It's uh, pretty much same like Zach Hyman's age, right? Yeah, pretty a oh, little sorry. bit older. Okay. Uh, okay. But one year older. But, you know, with his hat trick in game three, Kane has scored 27 goals in 46 games, including regular season and playoffs, which is good for second on the team over that span. And other than Leon Dreisaitl, I think Kane is the best winger that Connor McDavid has had in his entire seven-year NHL career. And it's not just his ability to put the puck in the net that makes him such a good fit with Connor. Kane can also do a lot of the dirty work in the corners for him. He brings an intimidation factor and a toughness that makes him such a valuable player in the playoffs. And uh, bringing in Kane has also allowed the Oilers to move Ryan Nugent Hopkins from the wing back to his natural position at center. And when you can run McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and McLeod down the middle, you have the best center depth in the entire league. And Edmonton just didn't have that luxury last season because they were severely lacking talent on the wings. And the fact that they got Kane on a bargain deal this year was an absolute gift. Um, and, and you sort of asked me the question, but I'll, I'll pose it to you first. Uh, do you think the Oilers should uh, try to re-sign Kane in the summer? Uh, well, for me, I think they should. I mean, you know, I think it's just the perfect wing for McDavid. I mean, that grit that he brings to the team. I mean, you know. You know, I mean, like if somebody's trying to get uh, try to get McDavid, he's always there, you know, <laughs> you know, to protect McDavid. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, he brings that swagger, you know, what I mean, that on that line right there, it's just, it's just perfect. You know, it's just perfect for Connor, that, that, that skilled physical player that I, that I mentioned a while ago. That's what Connor needs, you know what I mean? And a shooter. And, uh, yeah, and he ne- and he never had that in his career. I mean, Leon. Yeah, I mean, Leon the center, but he's been moved with Connor at the wing. Aside from Leon, with respect to what Jordan Eberle and maybe Taylor Hall back in his rookie year, I mean, he never had really that kind of a player with him. Yeah, and he he does well with a player who can keep up with him for sure. And Kane does have uh, the speed to to play with Connor. The thing with Taylor Hall is though both of those players like to carry the puck a lot and there's only one puck so even though it looked like Taylor Hall was going to be a great fit playing the left side with Connor it it didn't maybe work as well as some people hope because they both like to drive play Uh, Everly it kind of reminded me of you know Pat Maroon right well Pat Maroon's not not as quick as um Evander came, but man, Connor had good chemistry with him um, he did. during and, that and playoffs. Pat, Patrick Maroon went hard to the net and had a lot of tap-in goals, and uh, he he was a good fit. I, I think Connor does well with big physical wingers, yeah. and, and you know, put some speed. You know, Kane has you know faster than Maroon, and you know, it's just yeah. perfect. Yeah, and Everly was a good shooter too, but. They they had a, a brief time together at the end of the 2015-16 season where it looked like that could be um, a good pairing going forward, but ultimately they you know only got to play together for two years because he was traded in 2017. Um, right. But you know yeah I, I think Kane uh, like we said outside of Drysaddle is is the the best winger that uh, McDavid's had in his career. Um, the the tough thing is is that the Oilers don't have a ton of money to spend this summer. And they also have several young players they need to re-sign. Like, 
uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, Kyler Yamamoto, Ryan McLeod. Um, I mean, unloading Zach Cassian or possibly Tyson Berry in the offseason would give the Oilers a little more flexibility to get a deal done with Kane. But there's still a good chance that another team will be willing to offer him more money than the Oilers will. Uh, I think they would be smart to not give him more than $4 million a year times four years. And if you look at what their left-wing depth chart is going to look like down the road, Zach Hyman is signed long-term. Dylan Holloway will likely make the big club next season. So committing to Kane, who we said turns 31 in August, for any longer than four years it carries quite a bit of risk, in my opinion. However, Ken Holland has to at least try to sign Kane and sell him on the idea of playing with the best player in the world and having multiple chances to win a Stanley Cup. I don't think he'll find a better situation around the league. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's all up to Vander, I guess. You know, if it's either he's a, he's after the money, or he's really happy with the team. You know what I mean? So, you know, as I, as you said, that he has the best player with him in Edmonton, but if he wants the money, it's going to be tough for us because of the salary cap. So. Yeah, because they only have about thirteen point five million to spend, and uh, I mean, right. for you, would you be willing to risk? losing a guy like Yamamoto or Pugliarvi in order to keep Kane? I mean, they're so much younger, and you have to think about the future, but at the same time, can Kane help the team more right now than one of those guys? Uh, you know, it's... I mean, I get the point that Pugliarvi and Yamamoto are really still young, you know, but with where Connor is right now in his career... It's win now mode, you know. I mean, he's got to win, right? I mean, as soon as possible, he's got to win. So, if, as I said, if Andrew Kane's perfect for him, so that's why. That's why, as I said a while ago, we we got if we can find ways to sign the Vander Kane, that'll be great, man. But I don't know. We, uh, do you think we? Do you think we're gonna we're gonna sign Yamo and Jesse, or one will go? What's your prediction with that? With the way, I mean, look, Jesse's struggling a bit in this yeah. series. Don't um, get me wrong. I don't think I don't think Jesse's struggling. I think that he isn't. He hasn't scored as much as we would have liked to seen from him. But yeah, but he's maybe, been sometimes quiet, right? Yeah, yeah. He's been he he got slided down to the fourth line mm-hmm. last game, I think. And we maybe Broussard maybe Pulyarvi will never be a great goal scorer. We don't know if he's ever going to turn into a 30 goal guy or not, but there, there are so many other things that he does well. Like he's excellent defensively. He, he's able to use his long stick and reach to uh, steal pucks and extend plays. And uh, he opens up space for Connor to work his magic. I, I think that Jesse has the potential to be a long-term winger for him. And, and Kyler Yamamoto, I mean, he took a big step forward this year, too. And, and he loved the player. Loved yeah. The player. yeah. I, I, and, you know, for one of the smallest guys, guys in the league, like he's fearless. He doesn't back down from anybody. He goes hard to the net. Uh, it just he can kill penalties. He scored 20 goals for the first time in his career this year. And this was his first full NHL season. Uh, I think that we're just sort of starting to see the type of player that he could become. And you'd hate to lose one of these guys before their potential is fully realized. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Yamo, he had the uh, slow start start season, right? I mean, yeah. He, he had a really tough uh, time. Yeah. Uh, 
scoring early on. But I mean, you, you, you look at how he was able to rebound from that. Yeah. He, he still finished with 20 goals and a career yeah. high 41 points. I think that yeah. next year he could get over 50 points. I, I would like to see Pugliarvi get over 50 points next season as well. And I think the way that they're going to have to fit these guys all under the cap is by giving them bridge deals. And sometimes that can come back to bite you down the road. Like you look at Darnell Nurse, they bridged him several times before they had to pay him over $9 million on a long-term deal. And I know most of those were UFA years, but that's kind of the the risk you take when you uh, do uh, multiple bridge deals in a row. I think for the the situation with Yamamoto and Pugliarvi, they have no choice though, because they don't have the money that those guys would be looking for on a long term deal. So you probably sign uh, Yamamoto and Pugliarvi to one or two year deals, uh, keeping the cap hit on the low side, sort of like a prove it to me contract, and, and that will maybe give you the space you need to at least try to bring uh, Kane back. Yeah, that's right. That's right. As I go back a while ago, I said that Yama yeah, just slow start, but it was just like just like for a couple of months. But after that, he really picked it up, and um, yeah. he was he's been awesome, man. I mean, even in the playoffs, in the playoffs, I mean, he's that glue guy. He can be a glue guy for a dry saddle, or he can be a glue guy with McDavid, and he works hard. He, he's small. He he hits. I mean, like, he, I mean, he's great. He can, you know, makes he creates some plays out there, and. Um, yeah, I just hope that, as you said, it goes down with the salary cap. I really hope we could sign both of them. Yeah. Um, yes, he had a good start of the season, and he had, you know, he had some ups and downs as well. But man, that, with that size and that, that he can skate like that, you know, I mean, I, re- I, I think the future is really still good for Yessi. And um, I think it's every year in the NHL is getting more comfortable and comfortable, you know, and his English is getting better as well. So. You know, as I said, I just hope that we could sign those three. And you mentioned the bridge deals. I hope that they can help to sign Kane. But um, we, we got to get rid of Cassian, I guess, just to get that extra money to sign. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I like Zach Cassian as a player. I think that he does have a, a factor in games uh, with his aggressiveness. And, you know, he he, he doesn't chip in offensively as much as you'd like to see anymore. But yep. every once in a while, he he makes a good play. Like he had a breakaway last game that he was just stripped of at the last second. But it, it looked like he was going to pull it backhand and uh, score a big goal that the Oilers would have needed. But it's just uh, it comes down to the money. Like he makes three point two million, and it's hard to justify having a player making that much money on your fourth line when you can find a guy who could probably play a similar role that he plays for under a million dollars. And when you have big salaries on your, on your cap, like b- between McDavid, Dreisaitl and Nurse, that's $30 million of your $82.5 million cap next year. So three guys are taking up such a huge chunk. You need some value contracts. Um, and I think for that reason alone, uh, Zach Cassian will probably get moved. And like I said, they could also look at, possibly trading Tyson Berry. I think that holding on to him would probably be a wiser decision, at least for one more year, because I don't know who's going to come up and take his spot 
on right side. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that actually, uh, since you mentioned it already. Yeah, I was wondering who's going to take over well, the spot. The only thing you could do is you could move Philip Broberg over there when he uh, hopefully makes the team next year because he has the ability yeah. to play the left side or right side. But yeah. now you're putting a raw rookie in with about 23 NHL games under his belt into mm-hmm. uh, to replace Tyson Berry, who's a 10-year pro. It's just a, it's a tough... A tough uh, expectation for a, a 21-year-old to, to come in and, and handle those minutes in the top four right away. Um, and maybe he won't have to. Like, like if, Bro, sorry, if, uh, if Bouchard continues to take a step forward and with Cody Cece there, maybe he'd start on the third pairing uh, on the right side. But I would prefer to have him playing his natural side. And I know Ken Holland really likes to have... Uh, uh, his defensemen playing on their on their their right side too. So he likes to have a, a, a good mix of righty lefty combinations. So uh, having Broberg start his NHL career on his off wing, I don't think is ideal for the Oilers. Yeah, that's right. I agree on that as well. So I think one more year of Tyson Berry, and then, yeah, uh, then yeah, they could look at see. trading him. Uh, I mean, obviously, his cap hit is even more than Cassian, so that would give them a little extra room. And the cap is going up $1 million Can next year. Can we still afford King if, for example, we kept, we kept uh, Tyson Berry and get rid of Zach Cassian? Can we afford that with King? Well, yeah, getting rid of Ka- uh, Barry would actually give them more cap space than. No, I mean, than if, we getting... keep, if we keep Barry and get rid of Cassian, can we still afford Kane for that? Or it's not enough money still? If we if we get rid of Barry, no. If we get rid of Cassia and yeah, Captain Barry, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know exactly what he's going to ask for, but yeah, um, event, ha- again, having yeah. that having that extra three million uh, would help a lot. It's it's just yeah. uh, that that would get them closer to about sixteen and a half million to spend this summer, and you still need to, like I said, sign three young forwards and possibly bring in a goaltender. I mean, there's a chance that the Oilers decide to run with Stuart Skinner and Mike Smith as their goalie tandem next year, but I expect Ken Holland will at least explore the goalie market this summer and see if he can find a clear cut upgrade over Mike Smith. Um, like like Stuart Skinner is on the team next year for sure. Uh, and uh, with one year left on Smith's deal, you know, you know, you'd have to find someone to steal his spot. But uh, the oil, like I said, the Oilers don't have a, a ton of money to work with, so they have to uh, make those dollars uh, stretch a little bit. Okay, so I think Koski's not going to go back next year. I think he's returning to the Oilers. You think so? No. Um, and, and look, it, it's nothing against Miko Koskinen personally, but. They have a young goaltender that they've drafted and developed five years ago that's working his way up, and Skinner deserves that chance to to be on the team. Plus, he's not waiver-exempt next year, so you can't even send him down to the minors. I'm sure that some team would claim him. So yeah, it's it, yeah. it's a it just comes down to that's going to be the main reason that Koskinen will move on. And maybe he'll extend his NHL career and, and land with another team. Or perhaps he'll just decide that he wants to go back to Finland. I guarantee that there will be a team in the Finnish league that oh, will yeah, pick him sure. up. So yeah. uh, oh, yeah, we, could, we could use some salary. I mean, the salary of uh, Miko to add on to hopefully sign Vander King. Yeah, but, but really the money that, that the Oilers are going to be losing from... Miko Koskinen's contract is going to go right into the Darnell Nurse raise 
that he's going to get. Oh, yeah, that's right. So that's it right. really won't make that much of a difference. It, 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 it almost stays exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. And uh, going back to Evander Kane now, while his hat-trick made most of the headlines in Game 3, Zach Hyman and Ryan Nugent-Hopkins also scored twice and added an assist in the 8-2 win. And, you know, they were both pretty quiet in the first two games in Edmonton, but they really stepped up in a big way in Game 3. Chester, how important is it for players like Hyman and Nugent Hopkins to take some of the offensive pressure off of McDavid and Dreisaitl, who always seem to have to lead the way? Oh, it's very important, you know. I think in any sport, it's just not about two um, superstars to carry a team. You know, you have to have that that third, fourth guy or, you know, fifth or as a team, like the whole team to contribute, you know what I mean? And that, that for me, after Connor and Leon, it's those two guys, you know what I mean? They're signed long-term with us for, they're pretty much the same amount of, with their salary. So, and it, and they're veterans already in the league and um, they're huge, they're huge. Those, I mean, as, as you go back with Hyman and Nuge, I mean, not only can they contribute with the offense, they can penalty kill, they can play good defense as well. And both of them are can, you know, greedy guys, especially Hyman. I mean, he's like a horse there sometimes, like he's dominating, you know, you can see he can really skate and very skilled player. So that was a good pickup. You know, people say that we overpaid him, but, you know, that's how it works right now. If you want to get good quality players, you got to pay them, right? So, I mean, those two are very important. Um, They could put the puck behind the net and, as I said, they can do the penalty kill. And um, both are very skilled and perfect for to be on those lines with Connor and Leon. Yeah, you're always going to overpay a little bit in free agency, and and that's something the Oilers had to do. Uh, I mean, they they were really desperate, as I mentioned a little earlier. They were desperate for some scoring on the wings, and Hyman came in and uh, had a career-high 27 goals this year. Nugent Hopkins was injured for a a good portion of the year, but, uh, you know, still put up respectable uh, point totals. And uh, like you also said, they are very dangerous together on the penalty kill and uh, scored a few shorthanded goals this year. Um, and, and even though we're used to seeing McDavid and Dreisaitl put this team on their backs over the last several years, you really do need contributions from throughout the lineup to win in the playoffs. So for me, it was great to see Hyman and Nugent Hopkins each have three points in the biggest game of the year. And additionally, 11 different players had at least a point in game three. Um, and perhaps more impressively, uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl only had two points on a night when the team scored eight goals, which shows how much uh, the Oilers' secondary scoring has improved. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, the first goal was from the from the two superstars. I mean, you know, from Dreisaitl and McDavid. Then after that, I mean, just um, our key, I mean, some of our players just contributed and piled up the points. So it's great to see that, you know. As you mentioned, how many? 11 of our players? 11 different players had a point, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was awesome, man. It's good. I mean, I was like, I was like, you know, I was like shouting on the couch watching that game. Like, you know, I was like, oh, it was just fun. Like, like we're scoring a lot of goals and um, it's just good to see in the playoffs, you know, dominating. And, um, you know, you can see the guys who really want to get that, you know, that home court, uh, that, uh, sorry, home ice advantage again. Um, yeah, it's great. It was great. I really enjoyed that game. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I noticed that a lot more this year than in previous seasons. That at the at the end of the night, if you looked at the game sheets, there were nine players, ten players, eleven, sometimes as much as fourteen or fifteen players who had a point in a game for the Oilers. Uh, I remember there was one game where they beat Montreal seven to two, I believe. In it, it was Evander Kane's first game with the Oilers, actually, back in January, and. Uh, I think it was 15 out of the Oilers' 18 skaters had a point, and uh, Big David was one of the only three who didn't have one that night. So, I mean, it just shows that this team's depth has really come through for them this year, more so than, I think, uh, in any other season in the McDavid era. Yeah, since, you know, yeah, we didn't didn't have that the past years, you know. It was what we were relying very heavily with those two, you know, with McDavid and Jairzaito. And um, it's just good that, you know, Ken Holland, you know, was able to get some pieces to add on to that, to play with Connor and Leon. And as you said, that steal of the season, uh, steal, I mean, we got a bandit game for a steal, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. he was uh, paying him, what, how much? Like, uh, 2.1 million, but it's a pro-rated deal because he only yeah. played half the year. Yeah, but he's still getting money anyway from his, uh, his uh, previous contract with the Sharks, right? So... Yeah, I mean, that contract was terminated, and he actually flew to New York um, for a meeting with the league to, to see how that situation was um, going to pan out, because he still had four years left on his deal when he was bought out. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was a $7 million a year deal, so realistically... Uh, the Sharks owed him $28 million. I don't know if he's going to get all that money or if it's going to be spread out over a period of time. Uh, my hope is that he is going to get that money because I think that if he does get paid uh, the money that he was owed by the Sharks, he's more likely to take a discount deal uh, with the Oilers and would allow them to fit him under the cap better. That's what I'm hoping. Really, I really hope he, you know, he, I know it's, I know he's not going to get much money with Edmonton, but you know, if he's really happy and wants to play with Connor, you know, you never know. He might sign, he might, he might sign that deal if we offer him that. You know, hopefully a four-year deal will be great. Three, four years for him, as you said, four million a while ago. Yeah, because uh, you don't want to go on too long of a deal, and I'm sure he would like to sign a long-term contract that would take him to the end of his career. But yeah. you know, with with several forward prospects. Uh, that that the Oilers have in the system that they have that they believe will be NHL players, and yeah. you know, given his age, I, I just think you don't want to go too long on a deal with him. Yeah, because he's what thirty-one, you know. He's yeah, four, three, four. He should be thirty-four, thirty-five. So, and he's having a ba- another baby soon, I think. So he's expecting soon another baby. I mean, a second one. Did you know that? I didn't. I haven't heard anything about that. I, I know he has a daughter. <laughs> Yeah, and then he has a well. I think he the, the girl that he um, he's having his second baby is his past girlfriend. They came back together. That's what I think. It's a model as well. Maren oh. Maren Thagen, I think, or something like that. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, I think it, he's next looking month, for stability. Is is what you're saying? Like he's looking for a place where he can. You know, yeah, feel that he's right. going to have his career settled for the next several years, and well, I, I'm sure that that'll be something that you know he'll be looking for in his negotiations. 
Yeah, well, both. Well, I mean, him and his girlfriend are in, living in Edmonton right now. Mm-hmm. So I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, his girlfriend's watching the games as well. Yeah, I saw Lauren Kyle, uh, Connor McDavid's girlfriend, post uh, a picture of all the Oilers' girlfriends at Game yeah. One, and they all had uh, matching orange jackets on that uh, someone must have made for them. Yeah, she was there too. Um, yeah, uh, Kane's cool. girlfriend. Yeah, she's she's um, her stomach's really big right now. So I'm just, okay. yeah, I think it's next month, maybe anytime soon. I guess. Yeah. Perhaps we'll have to keep uh, an eye out for that. Um, so the Kings scored two goals late in the second period to cut the deficit to three, uh, but the Oilers responded with three more goals in the third period to put the game away. Uh, Chester, were you worried at all that the Kings might be able to come back and beat the Oilers in that game? In game three, yeah, yeah, because they they scored two goals right after we had a five zero lead, if I'm not mistaken. That's so, right. Um, uh, I was not that nervous to be honest, because we still had the three goal lead cushion. You know what I mean? And the boys are playing great since the start of the the puck drop, the puck drop in the first period. So I wasn't really that nervous that the Kings might, you know. But you never know. But I was just ex- I was expecting that we'll, we'll win that game because I could see that the boys are into it at the, on that game. As you said, as you mentioned, you know, we end up what, 11 players scoring a point, you know. So, you know, it's just great. But it's just totally different in game four. It's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I obviously would have preferred them not to give up those two goals in the second period, as well as a power play opportunity to start the third, which could have made yeah. it even closer. But It'd be good uh, for Mike Smith to have a shout out as well. So Yeah. But I mean, I was honestly never scared that the Kings were going to come back and tie it up once the Oilers went ahead 5 nothing, You know, Mike Smith was dialed in all night, and the Oilers were still spending a lot of time in the Kings zone. So even when it was 5-2, I felt pretty confident that the lead was safe. Yeah, so yeah, that's why I felt too. But you uh, know, uh, yeah, go ahead. What are you gonna say? I was just gonna say, was there anyone else who really stood out to you in the game uh, other than the the players we've already talked about? Oh, uh, I thought Evan Bouchard's been great. Yeah, since game one, game one, two, three, he's been solid. I mean, um, he was strong in the puck, making good plays. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just found that he was really solid the first three games. So it was, yeah, as I said, game four was, it was everybody was really off. So, but he was been solid. He's been playing with Duncan Keith, right? He's been playing with Duncan Keith. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just the puck moving and he's, he's shooting the puck a lot. So that's what, that's what I really like. Because in the season, sometimes there are times that just shoot the puck. You know, he, he, you know I mean, he has that shot. But, you know, but he often to pass a lot of the pucks. He's starting so, to use the shot more and more often. And, yeah, you know, I mean, he, he has such a such a powerful slap shot and he gets shots through. I just think that uh, we're, we're just we're, we're just beginning to find out how good this kid is. I mean, it, it this was for all intents and purposes, his rookie year. I know the league doesn't classify it as that because he spent a a certain number of games on the roster last season that took away his rookie status. But this was his first full NHL season and he had over 40 points. Uh, I, I just, I, I think that once he reaches his full potential, we're going to be talking about a, a 60 point defenseman, especially when you look at who he's going to get to play with on the power play. Uh, he's 
he's landing right during McDavid and Dreisaitl's prime. So the chance for him to pile up the points over the next few years is definitely going to be there. Yeah, for sure. He's going to... I mean, the future's bright for Evan Bouchard. I mean, he's a smart player. I mean, he has he had his ups and downs up and downs well during the season. I mean, you know, but he's still young. He's learning as well. So he'll get there. He'll be an elite defenseman in this league for a long time, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that several other defensemen had uh, good games as well. Duncan Keith, uh, his D partner, you know, he was making really good decisions with the puck, moving it up ice consistently. Cody Ceci, I thought, had a quietly uh, good game, you know, picked up three assists and just, you know, he, he didn't do anything spectacular, but he was just making solid plays all night and uh, led the Oilers in ice time, led them in uh, penalty killing time. You just you're starting to see these guys that you might not expect to be heroes step up and and have a, a big impact on the game. And of course, you could go to the usual suspects like Connor McDavid and Leon Drysital. They, I mean, they still had an impact on the game. McDavid had two assists in the first ten minutes, but it's nice to see that he's not the first name that comes to mind every night when the Oilers. Uh, when the Oilers get a win, it's just uh, you're starting to see more and more players come through in the clutch. And uh, that was a game that uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl did get on the score sheet, but didn't have to be the drivers, uh, at least. Yeah, it's good to see. I mean, you know, it's mostly it's always those two that drives the team. But uh, it's good to see that, you know, I hope we can get that again in game five. And um, boys, you know jump up from the start and put the intensity high, you know what I mean? For uh, sure. Yeah, it's a very important. Game 5 is going to be oh, that's going to be a very important game for us, for both yep. teams actually. I mean, the Kings made it a series inside the series, so, you know I mean, All right. if we if well, we won that game, I mean, if we won the game, game 4, maybe we would talk, we'll be pretty confident we're going to win the series. Mm-hmm. Turn it around. Well, let's move on to Game 4 now. And as great as the Oilers looked in Game 3, they were equally awful in Game 4. So we probably won't spend as much time talking about this game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Oilers fell behind 2-0 in the first period, and the Kings added two more tallies late in the game, including an empty netter to secure a 4-0 win and pull even in the series. Chester, there wasn't much to like about this game. Did you get the feeling early on that it was going to be a tough night for Edmonton? Well, uh, I was expecting that the Kings are going to push hard because it's, it's, you know, it's win or go home for them. I mean, they're not going home because the series not over, but if they lose that down 3-1 going back to Edmonton, it's going to be very, very tough for them. So they came into that game really hard. They came prepared, you know. They really came to play. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, we didn't match that intensity. The boys were kind of, you know, I mean, they're not they're not on that level where the Kings are in Game Four. So, the, I mean, the Kings showed that they did desperate need to win that game, and um, they 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 showed it on the ice. Um, they were physical, playing good hockey, smart hockey, and um, yeah, I mean, can't say much because we everyone was, you know, they play their best game I mean I thought Leon was well I thought there's some injury nagging with Leon because I thought that he was like kind of quiet in that game 
Yeah, you mentioned that to me off air that you were wondering if there's something wrong with him. Yeah, because I just felt that, you know, it, it's not his game. So I thought he was like, you know, doing some injuries or something or, you know, uh, he's just, just uh, I saw a different Leon in that game. So, but hopefully it'll be different in game five. And um, to be honest, Mike Smith kind of kept us in the game. <laughs> you know, like we hit like two goal posts um, in the first period. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, he the, he was case, easily the Oilers' best player in game yeah, four. Yeah, easily we could be down with five nothing in the first yeah. period. I mean, he kept us on a two zero. And so. and if you think about it, the first goal the Kings scored was off an Oilers turnover. All they had to do was clear the puck out off the glass, yeah. and it wouldn't have resulted in in that play. Wasn't it the referee's fault or something? I mean, there was an official near them, but I, I'm not going to... I blame the officials okay. for lots, but I'm not going to blame them for that. Yeah, well, <laughs> that was just as a, I said... That was a situation said, well, where they had to get the puck out, and they didn't, and it yeah. ended up in the back of their net. And the second one was a deflection off Duncan Keith's stick. Yeah. That, you know, he he got his stick in the way to try and disrupt a, a play, and, and it ended up uh, elevating off the blade and, and just beating Mike Smith. So it yeah. easily could have been 0-0 going into the third period. Um, and then, of course, the, the third one they scored was where Nurse uh, tripped Grunstrom and he just continued to crash into Mike Smith and sort of punched the puck into the net. However, the, the it was reviewed and uh, the officials in the command center, I guess, all agreed that uh, there was nothing he could have done on that play to to get out of the way or, or stop from directing it over the line. So I it, it was kind of a... A borderline one. I, I thought that they might call it back just because it looked like the puck made contact with his glove when it went in, and he he did push Mike Smith into the net. But they're going to say that Darnell Nurse uh, forced him uh, into his own goaltender, so that's why they obviously counted it. But uh, a disappointing one for sure. And then of course the empty netter put it away. But uh, yeah. I mean, look, when the Oilers are on top of their game, I don't think the Kings can handle them. Not only do the Oilers have the two best players in the world in McDavid and Dreisaitl, but they're a team now that regularly rolls four lines. Uh, They're deadly on the power play, their penalty killing has been strong, and they're getting steady goaltending. So if the Kings don't score first, it's very difficult for them to get back in the game because they simply don't have the game breakers that the Oilers have. But unfortunately for the Oilers, the Kings did get an early lead and were able to hold on to it all night. You know, they were relentless on the forecheck. They beat the Oilers to every loose puck. And overall, they were the more desperate hockey team. Jonathan Quick was outstanding in goal, too. He stopped Kyler Yamamoto on a point-blank opportunity even after his glove fell off. So uh, when you can't find the back of the net on a chance like that, it's just not going to be your night. Yeah, that's right. I mean... Well, I'll be honest, I, have, I, I, I didn't watch the game, but I was just listening to Bob Stoffer. So that's why I mentioned to you the referee, because I think Bob Stoffer was really pointing at the referee on that first goal that the LA King scored. He was like, I don't know, he was just saying it was the referee's fault. Not, uh, he that he got that. in the way when he was trying to clear the puck. Yeah, I mean, he, was, he was mentioning the referee at that time. So I was just listening to him when uh, I was at work. So I was just My, listening to him during the game. My issue with the officials is more the the lack of calls than uh, than anything okay. to do with the, that that particular play. I mean, and I I must say they the oiler or the officials are calling 
more infractions that happen against the Oilers than the the previous two years in the playoffs. But there's still some obvious calls that get missed, and it's it's very frustrating to see. Um, but at least Connor is starting to draw some penalties, which you know he hasn't been. He went eight straight playoff games without drawing a, a single penalty, and I think so far in this series he's drawn four that I can remember. So at, at least that's a at least one bright spot. That's good to see. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, but but if the Oilers want to have a better result tomorrow night, they have to play with more energy right from puck drop. They have yeah. to find a way to extend plays in the offensive zone and get more shots, especially up high, because that's where they've scored a lot of their goals on quick. He tends to go down early, and he's not the biggest goaltender as he is, uh, as it is. Sorry, I should say. So he's they're able to to beat him up high, and you know they they have to win more puck battles along the boards, especially in their own zone, because that's how the Kings generate a lot of their scoring chances by turnovers and, you know, grinding the other team down. So uh, I'm expecting the Oilers to play with a lot more intensity in game five than we saw in game four. I'm expecting it as well. Um, we can't go down three to going back to LA. That's so just, just can't. No, that's going to be, it's, it's going to be tough. Yeah, this is a, this is the big uh, biggest game of the season coming up. They have yeah. to they have to find a way to win on home ice and then hopefully take care of business on the road on Thursday night. Yeah, you know it's good to you know finish a series you know, ahead than the other teams playing to get that you know rest to the next round. Uh, and then we just have to hope that Calgary and Dallas continue to beat the crap out of each other, and that yeah, we have, uh, they're tied as well, right? Two two. I think Calgary won. Yeah, Calgary ago. won four one tonight. Yeah. Uh, to even the series two two. Yeah, man, that would be crazy if Edmonton and Calgary will advance to the next well, round. It, it's been thirty one years since we've had a battle of Alberta in the playoffs, and we've really mm-hmm. started to see this rivalry uh, reignite over the past couple of years. But I think that if they did meet in the playoffs, it would take it to a whole new level. Uh, that being said, the Dallas Stars would be a, an easier opponent to play. And it would be nice to get a little bit of revenge on the Stars after they routinely beat the Oilers in the playoffs in the late 90s and the early 2000s. So I wouldn't mind seeing that either. Yeah, yeah. But I I, I prefer the Battle of Alberta just because, you know, I just like the intensity the of the... Um from the fans in Alberta. It's going to be wild and crazy. And uh, I don't mind playing the, the stars, you know. I mean, uh, it's always good to have that, you know. I mean, uh, well, talent-wise, we have, that, we have more talent than them. And uh, I think we're a better team than them, you know. Well, so. if it doesn't happen this year, we're going to see a battle of Alberta in the playoffs eventually in the next few years because both teams are very good it's only a matter of time until they meet by playing in the same division so uh, i'm expecting we'll see it eventually however we can't get too far ahead of ourselves and start thinking about uh, the second round we you know there's a series that they still have to win first to get there um yeah and uh, we gotta win against first (laughs) yeah they they gotta make sure they get the job done uh tonight and uh take a three two lead on home ice yeah yeah i'm pretty uh are you pretty confident that we're going to get the win tomorrow? Yeah, or tomorrow I, I morning for they, me. I think that they will uh, step up and and have a, a better game. I mean, since Jay Woodcroft took over, the Oilers haven't had back to back poor efforts very often. They usually respond from a loss 
with a with either a win or at least a much better effort and a closer game uh, the following night. So I would expect that the Oilers will will be a lot better in Game Five, especially back on home ice with last change and in front of their own fans. Yeah, same to me. I'm expecting that as well. What's your um, prediction? Speaking of Jay Woodcroft, what's your prediction yeah. with him? Do you think he will be? Oh yeah, coach it's, for a long time. I mean, yeah, I mean, Dave, Dave Manson too, as an assistant coach. I, I, I think those two guys are going to stick around for a while. And I know Ken Holland uh, likes to take care of business in the off season, but uh, I think multiple insiders have put it out that the deal will basically get done as soon as the season is is finished. Uh, Ken Holland isn't going to be looking for anyone to replace Jay Woodcroft. And if they were, I'm sure another team would snatch him up right away because he is a very good up-and-coming uh, coach. And uh, uh, the Oilers, I think, would be foolish to not keep him around. Really good to see it. I, I hope we can sign him. And just to years. finish... Yeah, for sure. Uh, and just to finish up on Game 4, you know, uh, there weren't many positives to take out of that game on the ice, but there is one positive that came off the ice, and that was seeing a picture of Ben Stelter with the Kings mascot, Bailey the Lion. <clears throat> and I think every Oilers fan knows Ben's story by now, but he's an extremely brave five-year-old Oilers fan who is battling brain cancer, and he's been a good luck charm for the team ever since he started attending games back in March. I believe the Oilers are 10-1 and now when Ben is in the building and undefeated on home ice. Um, and he had the opportunity to stand next to his hero, Connor McDavid, during the national anthems for a game uh, he's also been on the ice with the team for a morning skate. He even received his own upper deck hockey card. And it's impossible not to smile when you see him giggling and having fun and hanging out with the Oilers. Uh, there, there's been so many pictures and videos shared on, on social media of him. And just, uh, you know, I think he really lights up everyone's life. Um, and as much as we all want to see the Oilers win every game, uh, hearing Ben's story really reminds us what's important in life, doesn't it, Chester? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, this is what it's all about. You know, it's bigger than hockey. I mean, it's great to see the boys, you know, especially Connor and Leon really get into Ben's life. You know, giving him that, that strength that he's going to right now in his life. And um, as you as you mentioned it to me before, they even Leon and Connie even went to his house, you know, just to visit yeah. Ben. You know, they built that strong relationship together. And it's good to see, you know. I mean, uh, you know, Ben's battling really hard, and um, you know, and the, the boys are behind him. And it's, and uh, even I I saw a picture of the mascot, the LA Kings, was holding a banner. It says that you know, Ben, you're not rooting for us, but we're rooting for you. That's it's just right. Good to see. It's just good to see. It's, it's good to see. You know. And uh, even me, I'm praying for Ben. Um, just hope that he can get over this, you know. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you know, it would be great to see the Oilers win the Stanley Cup uh, just because we're fans of the team. But uh, I can only imagine how special that would be for Ben to be in the Oilers locker room when they bring the cup back and, and to have a picture with him next to the Stanley Cup. I, I really hope that that comes true in July and we get to see that. But 
you know, we just we just hope that Ben keeps fighting and makes a, a full recovery. And I, I was very happy to see that he was he's down in Disneyland with his family this week. And um, man, that that kid deserves everything for for all that he's been through. And I I just hope that uh, I just hope that he you know gets back to full health and you know will uh, be able to come to Oilers games for many more years to come. Yeah, yeah. Is he going back? Is he back in Edmonton to watch a game tomorrow? I believe I believe that his family is headed back now because there was a picture of him hugging Connor after the game and it looked like yeah. it was at the airport. So okay. I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if that was in LAX or if it was back in in Edmonton. So we'll have to we'll have to find out. But I, I'm sure that he'll be at game five if his family is back in Edmonton. I see. I see. I hope he's there because he's our lucky yeah. charm, you know. <laughs> Me too. Uh, and and we did talk about uh, the fact that we think the Oilers will have a, a better effort uh, tomorrow night. But do you have a, a score prediction yes. for Game Five as the series shifts back to Edmonton? I'm gonna go three-one Oilers. Low scoring. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, it's gonna be a tough and physical game. Both teams are gonna come you know, prepared because this is the most important game of the series. So I'm expecting a low-scoring game. Yeah, I, I think the Oilers are going to win five to two. Uh, okay. They, you know, we, we did talk about how uh, they're getting contributions from throughout the lineup and how the depth players have uh, had more of an impact offensively. But you know, McDavid has six points in four games, but he only yeah. has one goal. And I just have a feeling that he's going to come through and have a big game in Game Five. Uh, I don't want to predict a hat trick, but I think he'll have uh, at at least multiple goals tomorrow night, and uh, he, he's going to be uh, he's going to lead the charge and and get this team back in the lead because, you know, b- big players come through in the big moments, and we've seen Connor McDavid in the regular season uh, step up uh, when when the stage is at the biggest, and uh, he he hasn't had the opportunity to have as many big moments in the playoffs. But I think that uh, tomorrow night would be a perfect opportunity for him to have a have a huge impact on the game and and put up a few points and and lead the Oilers to victory. Yes, same here. I'm hoping for a W tomorrow. So hopefully the boys don't take it easy as they did it in Game Four. Yeah, they they have to come out uh, out of the gate a lot yeah, better than I they mean, did and. Um, you know, hopefully get an early lead and and just be able to build on that lead and, and continue to put the puck in there because they they know that they can beat Jonathan Quick. They they have that confidence. Like I said, they they outscored the the Kings fourteen to two between game two and three in this series uh, before they you know were ultimately shut out last game. But uh, if they can get back to that. Uh, then there, there's no chance that the Kings will be able to to beat them, and it, it's almost like some 1980s scores that we've seen the last couple of games here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. During the Gretzky <laughs> days, <laughs> exactly. But um, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm gonna pray hard for this. I really hope that we get the W because the Kings are gonna, they're gonna come to play tomorrow. That's for sure. You know, yeah. they want to go back to their home ice take, uh, with the with the three two lead. So and they're the underdogs in this series, right? Like they don't have as much yeah. pressure as the Oilers do. So if if they do end up winning, now the Oilers are really up against the wall, needing to win the final two games of the series to advance. So um, yeah. biggest game of the year tomorrow night, and uh, I expect that. Uh, the big boys will come through for the Oilers, and it, like I said, it'll be a 5-2 win. Okay, I'm going 3-1. Hopefully right. we can get this one. Go Oilers.
Well, Chester, it's been awesome talking to you again tonight. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, yeah, so it's just underscore Chester Taylor. So that's my Twitter um, account. Yeah, if you can give me a follow, that'll be great. And uh, yeah, mostly I just tweet about the Oilers and yeah. All right, so everyone, please go follow Chester. And uh, thanks again for being on the podcast. I'll have to have you back again soon, man. Yeah, just let me know. It's already 11.10 here in the evening. Almost midnight. (laughs) Yeah, we make it work despite the time difference from Saskatoon to Melbourne. Yep, yep. All right, have a good night, man. All right, you too as well. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for having me. Of course. So for Chester Taylor, I'm Eric Friesen. This has been the 99 Forever Podcast. We're out.